Give it up for our men. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. Woo. I heard Brother D grunt a little bit. Did y'all hear that grunt? Look at the Lord. Praise God. Uh, one of the things that we do to identify our guests is we ask you to turn on your hazards so that we can get you to uh, preferred parking. Well, someone did that, and you didn't turn your hazards off. Amen. A Ford Expedition, it looks like it's a burgundy, and the license plates begin GM6. So if you got a Ford Expedition, a big, looks like it's a burgundy one, your hazards are still on it. We don't want your battery to run out. Somebody say amen. amen. You can remain seated. Uh, I want to begin on today uh, with some points of vision. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into uh, a handout you should have received upon entry, uh, this one here. And we're going to begin with that, and then we're going to close with the message from Acts chapter 3. Everybody say amen. amen. Heads about eyes are closed. Father, we are so grateful for today. Uh, we thank you for just your goodness toward, toward us. Now, Father, as we look back at 2019 and make some assessments, some evaluations, Father, uh, we pray that you would help us to approach um, everything in humility. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, which means the victories and the defeats. Because, Lord, we know that we can have a tendency to dwell on either one, and either one would be unhealthy. So help us to re be reflective but not to get stuck uh, in areas. And so I pray even now that as a church uh, we be on one accord. And, Father, that's only going to happen but by prayer and fasting and by your word. And I pray that you touch every heart, every person assembled here on this morning. Uh, speak to us, Lord God, so that we can know where you'd have us to go. We thank you for what you've done, and we know that the best is still yet to come. We give you glory, praise, and honor in the name of Jesus. We pray. Everybody say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, ushers, for all that you do. So our, our theme for 2020 is Clarity 2020. Everybody say Clarity. clarity. If you open up in the inside left column, I simply want to highlight a few things as far as my own assessment and evaluation of 2019. Uh, I'm always learning as a pastor, uh, as a husband, as a dad, as a man, I'm always learning. And um, so I made some, uh, just, just took some time to see how things went last year. And in doing so, I was able to see uh, some victories and some, uh, some not so victorious moments. Uh, let's just begin. During the transition of every year, I spend, I spend time assessing and evaluating. And I challenge you to do that in your own life. These moments can be both rewarding and frustrating, depending on how effective the previous year has been. In 2019, we experienced some victories and some defeats, Greater Bethlehem. Uh, we lost uh, some key people. Lord called some key folk home, uh, and Lord calls others to leave our fellowship. And with that, that is the nature and, and the, the process of being an ever-growing church. Uh, so uh, we saw a decrease in some membership, decrease in giving, as well as in morale. Everybody say morale. Now, Pastor, how do you know there was a decrease in morale? Well, people's attendance is an indicator. We don't necessarily vote with our mouths. We vote with our feet. Y'all help me this morning, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, we vote with our feet. And so when we... Uh, reduce our involvement, when we reduce our activity, that is our kind of passive-aggressive way of saying, I don't like what's going on. And so I saw that in several pockets of the church. And the next sentence says, as pastor, I accept full responsibility because everything rises and falls on leadership. And so we made some uh, uh, observations of some things in 2019. And let me tell you something. I got it. I totally got it, and I get it, and I receive it. Now, here's what, here's what we need to do as a church going forward. Listen to me carefully. When, when there is something that, let's just say, disturbs you, Scripture says you are to go to that person. That's what Scripture says. Scripture does not say get in your group and talk about it. Scripture does not say whine and complain and pout about it. Scripture says go ahead and go to the person. And, and when you do that, what you do is you absolve yourself. You remove yourself from being a cancer within the life of an organization. Now, here's the thing. If you do that at church, you may do that in your family. 
If you do that at church, you may do that on your job. And so, y'all, we got to work on that. Now, let's talk real, real specifically. I did a series. I did two series, one on relationships. And it dealt with the topic of sex. And it dealt with marriage. And several church members got upset about that. Now, let me, let me understand something. I, will, I, may, I may do it again in 2020. Because I've been called to preach the whole counsel of God. And just because you passed that season in your life does not mean everyone else has passed that season. So let me tell you how mature folk handle stuff like that. Mature folks say, well, that's not for me, but I want to make sure I stay positive so that the word will have fertile ground to help somebody else. Look at your neighbor and say, he may be talking to you. Look at your neighbor. We did some other series throughout the year. Stay with me, y'all. I'm, I'm evaluating and I'm sharing. Amen. We did some things on finance. Uh, and let me tell you, we will continue to do these types of things. Let me tell you why. Uh, uh, Dave Ramsey said, listen, stop asking folk to give if you don't help them to learn how to budget. Stop, stop making requests of people because bottom line is if you hadn't instructed your members on how to handle finances, then your expectations ought to be very low. Well, y'all, my expectations are very high now. Let me tell you why. Because we went through a series of messages to help you learn how to manage your money better. Now, either you received it or you rejected it, but watch this. My expectation is the same. So I'm expecting 2020 for our offering to almost double what we did in 2019. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Oh, this is good. I may need some soft music, Ms. Sharon. <clears throat> I'm just joking. I'm joking. Uh, and so, again, this is all part. I did, we did a series on emotional health and wellness. Emotional health and wellness. And I, I'm just, I want you to get a feel of what I learned as a pastor. Uh, uh, there was some kickback about that. Let me tell you something about us as a church. We make more requests for counseling with the pastor than any other organization known to man. And yet when we do a series on emotional health and wellness, it is not received well. See, that lets me know that you don't want help, you want attention. Did I say that right? Did, I, did that come out right? Okay. And so I brought in individuals that will help you navigate through the stuff that you're struggling with. And I check with them periodically. Have you heard from anyone from my church? No, I ain't heard from nobody, Pastor Brown. Let's go back to the handout. I'll, I'll repeat this sentence again. As a pastor, I accept full responsibility for any all losses. I accept full responsibility. Uh, we took off some time this summer uh, because basically I was burned to the out, out, out. And you may not have that same burden because you only come on Sundays. You don't participate beyond Sunday. So why is pastor going so hard? It's 2020. It's a new year. And so I took the bumps and the bruises from 2019. I took it like a M-A-N. And I got ridiculed and rebuked and said, that I'm, my heart ain't here and I'm not committed and blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, wow, because I took a break. Okay. So here's the thing, y'all. When you are committed to the church, it does not matter if the pastor is behind the pulpit or not. Let me try this side. Let me try up here. When you are committed to the church, you understand that the pastor is the under-shepherd. He ain't the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. I'm, I'm under him, and so it really doesn't matter if I'm here or not. And, 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 and so the challenge is when we took a break this summer, it was because Pastor Brown was tired. You may have been doing fine, again, because you rarely come beyond Sunday morning. And so as a consequence, you didn't understand what, what borderline burnout looks like. Now, let me tell you why I do what I do. I'm going to preserve my health and wellness for my family first. And when my wife began to see that I was sleeping a little longer and taking a little too long naps, she began to say, baby, you need to take a break. So we took off an extra month this summer, this past summer, so that I could get rest. Maybe you were fine, but I knew that for, for anything beyond Sunday, I was the main one, if not the only one, showing up. It was a Wednesday evening. I was pretty much the main one or the only one showing up. 
And so as a consequence, I said, we're going to shut down and we're going to reset July and August. Now, that was a mistake. Let me tell you why. You can't take that long of a break for an engine like a church. It's hard to crank it back up. And so we never recovered in the fall. And as a consequence, let's take it to the next level. Many of you withheld your tithes and your offerings. You withheld. You didn't give at the level that you could. And let me tell you why that's important. When you lose members, which we did, and every church in America that is erected in Jesus' name lose members weekly. That is nothing new. But when you lose members, but your current members don't sustain where they are, that's when deficits take place. That's when it's difficult to pay the bills. It's difficult to pay the mortgage. And yeah, I'm talking business and ministry because money is the muscle to ministry. You missed that. Let me say that one more time. Money is the muscle to ministry. I don't care how much you love the Lord. If you don't pay that mortgage, you're going to be on the street. Worshiping on the, on, right in front of Walgreens. Trying to get John Wiley Price to come get our church back. And John Wiley going to be like, bro, did y'all pay the mortgage? Well, I can't help you then. So here's the deal, here's deal y'all. We rallied. Somebody say rally. We rallied to rebound. We fulfilled ministry initiatives, and we maintained our commitment to learn and to grow, even in the face of all the difficulty that we went through the latter part of 2019. Y'all, this is who the church is called to be, a movement that presses forward. Somebody say forward. So we learned, y'all, we learned, we cried, we fussed, I, we had some, some knock-down, drag-out, behind-closed-doors meetings. But they were necessary because that's a part of the nature of the church. And, y'all, we recovered, and we did well, and we finished well, and I'm grateful, and give God some praise right there. Come on, some of y'all ain't clapping. Put your hands together. Come on. Now, look at your neighbor and say, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. Amen. This is all a part of the process. You have a young, young pastor, 20-some-year-old pastor, and he's learning. Y'all laughing too hard. I could be 20-something if I wanted to. So, Pastor Bond, why Clarity 2020? Churches must always guard against drift. Drift is when you forget the purpose to which you have been established. Y'all, drift takes place in so many organizations. Do you know that Harvard University was established to be a Bible college? Now Harvard University doesn't even respect the Bible. The YMCA is Young Men Christians Association. Now they don't have anything to do with Christ or his cause. This is what happens when you forget your focus. And y'all, the same thing could happen to the church. The very same thing. We can then become an organization that focuses on our own needs and fail to be an organization that was established to meet the needs of the world. We can become inwardly focused, caring about what we want, my generation, what makes me feel good. And we can completely overlook the factors that others need. Everyone that comes into the walls of this church is not saved. Everyone that comes into the walls of this church doesn't have the same history with God that many of us do. And so when we hold the standard up and say, you got to rise up to this or else you can leave, that's when people start leaving. Now, that's drift. That's, you're missing it. You're missing the whole purpose why you have been called. See, those of us that have been in church as long as I've been in church, as long as you've been in church, I've been in church since the 1970s. The 19s. Some of y'all can go back farther than that. Some of y'all can say, 70s, that ain't nothing. I've been in church since the, amen, since Mary Bell said, gone on, Pastor. <laughs> Just gone on. And so we have such a long history with God. And so we have to understand the bigger picture as it relates to the longevity of the church. Do y'all know when you go into ministry drift, you are but two or three years from extinction? Do you understand how dangerous this is? Look at your neighbor and say, we getting old. Yeah, I said that to you, we, to each other.
they, they didn't respond. Look at your other neighbor and say, we getting old. Some of y'all ain't turning. Turn to your neighbor. We getting old. You still look good. You still fine. I ain't say you ain't fine. Just a little crispy. Just get a little old. It's all good. Just a little old. And it's okay. And so as we fight to preserve the way we like things done, that's when drift begins to take place. And y'all, as a church, we stop going out and we stop doing things that draw men and women to come to Christ. And y'all, we get real comfortable in church doing Sunday service and going home and never coming through that building, coming through those doors again, or never gathering together to go out to minister to the community. And y'all, all of us have to evaluate how we respond to what Pastor Brown just said. Some of us are cool just coming to church on Sunday. Let me tell you what that means. That means there is an element of discipleship that is not yet translated in your life. Because a disciple understands it is not just about me and what makes me feel good. This is not just a club that I come and the clock in and say I did church and that's it for the week. There's no interaction with God for the rest of the week until I come back to church the following Sunday. That's not a disciple. They're marks of a disciple, and we'll deal with those as we move on in 2020. So drift is the tendency to allow forces within and without to take us off task, off focus. Everybody say focus. Drift occurs when we minimize our mission to do things that are easy and self-serving. Y'all, we can do that self-serving stuff real good. Come on, y'all. Look at me. You ain't reading nothing. Look up here. Look up here. I got time. I time it myself. Uh-oh, I went a little long. We're we all right. Thank you. Thank you. She said, that's all right, Pastor. Take your time. She told me I could take my time. Easy and self-serving. Y'all, we're good at that. And we got to watch that. Because God hadn't called us to easy. What, easy, what was easy about Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection? Nothing was easy. And so when he says to follow me, that means you ought to follow the hard things, not just the easy thing, not just getting dressed up on Sunday, not just come here to look good. And you do look good. But that, God bless you. Clarity brings us back into focus. Hence, we've been teaching on focus, vision, sight, clarity, and fixed eyes in the month of January. We've got one more message. So let's see, let's see. When I say in the theme, it says seeing God's plan. That's the cover. It says Clarity 2020, seeing God's plan, life, church, community, and kingdom. That's kind of the fourfold focus of things that we're going to shoot for in everything that we do in 2020. Somebody say life. life. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say life. life. Living our best life. Y'all like that, don't you? Like, that's a cool song, isn't it? That's not what I'm talking about. Living our best life occurs when we know why God has created, saved, and called us individually and corporately. We can only discover our why through prayer and through God's word. We will preach, teach, and pray our way into purpose. We will recommit to weekly Bible engagement, and I put in bold and in parentheses, it's not optional. God bless you, KC. I, that was good. It's fun. Thank you. I'm reading the last part again. We will commit to weekly Bible engagement. Everybody look at me. I'm going to move on to this one. You're not going to grow without a steady digestion of God's word. You're not going to grow. And every single one of us got some sin stuff that's pricking at the core of who we are, every single one. Your pastor is first in line. Why do you think I started the Wednesday prayer call? Because I wanted to have something else where I can touch and engage with you and that we can meet in agreement behind God's word and behind prayer. Y'all, this hitting and missing with God and what he is trying to do in your life, y'all, it's just too risky. And so I made an appeal last Sunday, y'all, Wednesday, we had a wonderful turnout on Wednesday. And I'm so grateful for all those who came on this past Wednesday. But again, I want you to understand, that ain't for me. That's for you. And so when you're sitting around 7 o'clock on Wednesday, 
trying to make eye contact with nobody in your house? Because y'all both know y'all, mm, 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 y'all tails need to be at church. And somebody said, well, Pastor, why we got to da-da-da-da? Listen, this is the best thing the Lord has given us right now. That's all we got. Wednesday night Bible study. Until you come up with something greater than that, we're going to be here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And one pastor said, well, I'm just going to stop doing Wednesday night. And another pastor said, well, then you're going to eventually stop doing Sunday mornings. See, that's what happens when you drift. And that's what's happening to some of us. We come when we want to, when we feel like it. Ms. Mary Bell fights to come to church. She fights through her pain, fights through it. And then others of us, again, so... This whole life thing is so important that you understand your why. Secondly is church. Our entire system. Oh, I'm sorry. Everybody say church. church. Our entire system for discipleship, leadership will be developed. And y'all have been working on this for the last several years. It's just hitting and missing. And, and, and I'm not trying to, I, I, I already accept the responsibility for my failures. But this is something that every church wrestles with. Trying to find the perfect fit for leadership and discipleship development. It is so hard because let me tell you why. When you have a brand new church, you get to create your own culture. But even still, you get folk coming from different backgrounds, so then you're trying to reprogram the folk coming into your culture, and it's hard. When you have an established church, it's equally as difficult because we have all those blind spots. We have the we've always done it that way syndrome. And so the thought of doing something different, eh, and then we'll, we'll always say, we did that before in the 80s. <laughs> but you ain't doing it no more. So obviously, it didn't work then. And if it worked then, we wouldn't be where we are now. Somebody say church. church. System for discipleship, leadership. We're called, commanded, make disciples. Who make disciples? Mm. When we fulfill this mandate, our whole focus comes into clarity. Third is community. Somebody say community. As we regain clarity for in-reach, we will see God's vision for outreach. Our church must do more to touch our community. We've been given light to shine, not to put it under a basket, according to Matthew 5.15. We will remind ourselves of why we are to go and will hold each other accountable to go. Let me tell you, let me let you off the hook. We're not going to go knocking on no doors. Chill out. Don't, don't trip. I know somebody, I'm just not going knocking on no doors. You got to knock on no doors. Knock on your family. Knock on the people the Lord has put in your life. Knock on your coworkers. You're not going to lose your job if you invite somebody to church. I promise you, you will not. But then I got to ask the question, eh, why don't you invite your friends to church? Let me tell you why. We have to help you to become a champion of your church. If you don't feel good about your church, you're never going to invite anybody else to church. And perhaps that's why many of us don't invite people to church. So we're going to work on that. We're gonna, I want to make sure, watch this, that you are equipped to engage your friends and just invite them to church, build relationships, build community, and challenge them to come, hold them accountable, follow up with them, all that kind of simple stuff. But then we want to make sure when they come here, they experience something that they can't get nowhere else. So let's talk about Greater Bethlehem. Why would someone leave their house in Forney, DeSoto, Plano, Waxahachie to come here when they go to 25, 50 other churches on the way here? Or they can stay home and stream another church. Now, this is what we got to do. We got to make, we got to find out and discover what is it that is special about Greater Bethlehem. I already know, but I want you to figure it out too and, and let me walk you through it. Let me tell you what's special about your church. Greater Bethlehem is a church that has all generations represented. Now, you look at these other churches that are 10, 15,000, you ain't going to have nobody really in there over 60. Come on, talk to me, y'all. You sure ain't going to have nobody over 70. But we are mastering the art of multi-generational ministry. And we're going to be intentional. We're not going to hide away from who we are. Y'all, that's who we are. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you're over 65, raise your hand. Look at that. Come on, though. Some of y'all ain't. All right, hands down. If you're over 55, well, if you're in between 55 and 65, raise your hand. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, 
hands down. 45 through 55. Mm Mm-mm, sister, put that hand down. (laughs) Sister Loretta, no, I'm talking to her. I'm sorry, I I, I got distracted by Sister Loretta. 45 through 55. Let me see, let me see again. Look at it, look at it, look at it, look look around, look around. Hands down. 35 through 45. What's happening now? What's happening now? Look at that, look at that, look at that. 25 through 35. Ooh. What's happening, y'all? Look around, look around. What just happened? Thank you, thank you. What's, what's, what's under there? 18 to 25. Mm. 18 to 25. I got one hand, and she don't even live here. She, she in school. She in New York. Get ready to go to California. Make some money. Now, when you start working for Dale, in the Dale, right? Mm-hmm. Our address is 7031. No, no, you can text to give, all right? Making that Silicon Valley money, amen. Keep her covered, amen. Give God some praise. But church, did y'all see what just happened here? And, and be clear, they're not over in the U-turn. They're not over there. So we did 18 to 25, and the one person who raised their hand does not even live in the city. Y'all, this is serious. So if we're going to be multi-generation, we have to be representative of all generations, not just ours. And your grandkids and your nieces and nephews don't come here no more. Let me try this side. They don't come here no more. They may not go anywhere, which means they're right for you to engage them. Press on, Pastor. Kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. Scripture commands us to seek God's kingdom first. Kingdom being God's rule in our world. Yeah, we are kingdom ambassadors. We are representatives of the kingdom. We are are here to help expand the kingdom of God. We're here to set things right so that when the Lord Jesus returns, it'll be as he wants it and he'll take back over. Somebody say kingdom. We ought to be kingdom-minded in everything that we do. When we function in this manner, we ensure God's glory is given, his presence is guiding, and our wills are submitted. When we're about kingdom, we are about God's business. Somebody say clarity. Clarity. So this is going to help us do that, y'all. We're going to get there. A few things on the next page, uh, I want to always put in front of us, you know, the how and the why of who we are, who we are, the greater way. That's, a, that's both our vision, that's both our process for making disciples, it's, it's everything that we are. Loving, learning, living. Loving Sundays uh, at 10 a.m. We, where we gather together to have an experience that demonstrates the love of God. We can, where we can share, receive, and experience God's love and worship him in spirit and in truth. Learning, that's Wednesdays at 7 primarily. When we gather in midweek, midweek to get engaged in the word of God. You ain't going to grow apart from the word of God. And then living, monthly or more frequent outreaches where we go and we simply demonstrate the love of God in a practical way. And, y'all, we got to get more comfortable with that because we didn't, we didn't hardly do any in 2019. And I've already accepted responsibility for that. But I can't, I can't not accept responsibility for when I ask you to go, you don't show up. I can't accept responsibility for that. But I can't accept responsibility for getting so discouraged that you won't show up that I stopped asking in 2019. I just stopped asking. Y'all show up for any and everything else. Now, we did some outreach. Don't get me wrong. We got some strong outreach. Our farm standards outreach. We got, we got with the clothing giveaway with the unity in the community. We do a lot of stuff. But as far as monthly stuff, y'all, we should be doing some almost weekly. But we got to start somewhere. And let's just start with monthly. So here's some, some, some BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. Y'all still with me? I ain't going to preach long. Lord, forgive me. Somebody say, no one stands alone. alone. This is one of the biggest challenges in a church our size. We ain't mega, but we ain't many. And if you were to take all of the churches in America, unfortunately, we would fall into the large category. The average church in America is 75 folk or less. That's it. That's on a roll. That's showing up on Sunday. That's whatever. So we add up all of our different groups that are here throughout Sundays and Wednesdays, y'all. We are a large congregation. 
But even in the size that we are now, people still get lost. And this is a burden. So through updated contact information, let me, look at me, look at me. Now y'all know we got the wrong number for you. You gave us that burner phone number from 2010. Y'all know we got the wrong number. Y'all know we don't have, yo, yo, you got a hotmail. You, you don't use that hotmail no more. And all we want to do is build community with you. Somebody say updated info. updated info. So through our updated contact info, we will communicate better with our members. Calls, visits, fellowship, tribes. Look at me, y'all. You getting in the tribe. Mm, uh, somebody, look, I'm with everybody. Look up at me. I'm making out. You getting in the tribe? Yes, you are. You getting in the tribe? Let me tell you why you getting in the tribe. Because you need it. I don't care how wonderful your family is. I don't care what kind of support system you got. You need folk that belong to your church to know you and you to know them. You need to have a direct line of communication when something happens in your life. You need to have people that will come alongside you when you go through stuff. You need a tribe. Why do I need a tribe? Because it is biblical. It's biblical. And so you may be fighting against it, but it ain't going no to the where, where, where. Everybody say tribes. So no one stands alone. Secondly, disciple now. Let me wrap this up. Audit our current methods for growth and make necessary improvements to ensure every member is actually growing at GBBC. So we're going to evaluate everything. And this is something I've, I do every year, but I'm going to be more intentional about it. Just kind of engaging the different components of our growth. Third, next level leader, intentional about equipping leaders and about placing healthy leaders over ministries. I hear the reports. You know, some of us that are leading, we ain't healthy. I'm sorry. It is what it is. And that's not an indictment against you. We want to get you restored and help and all that goes along with that. But if you're, not, if you're not healthy, if your life ain't healthy, then it's hard for you to really be an effective leader. I got two amens. I'll take them. Let's keep moving. Ministry tune-ups, ministry groupings to discuss, evaluate, and improve how we do ministry. Uh, uh, hashtag systems. Systems. Y'all feel that? So every year we do end-of-the-year uh, evaluations with groups. I pull in different groups, and we sit down, and we chop it up. We're going to do that ongoing throughout the 2020 calendar. And so you won't think I'm picking on you. We're going to have a group full of different folk, and we're going to just kind of evaluate each other, uh, uh, speak about the things that could be better. And we're not going to be hypersensitive. We're going to receive it, and we're going to put things into practice, and we're going to hold you accountable. Media overhaul. Website, logo, podcast, social media, email blasts, text alerts, and by the grace and mercy and money of God, streaming. We got, to, we got to give people a preview of what they can experience before they come. That's why streaming is so important. Don't think, well, if we stream, folk ain't going to come to church. That's not what statistics show us. Right. What it shows us is this generation wants to see it before they actually show up. And we give them the privilege to do that. And that's when you allow your ministry to be global. Yo, what we do here, other folks need to see that it can be done. Most pastors are giving up. They're choosing a specific age group, and they're saying the heck with everybody else. We can't do that, y'all. That ain't what the Lord has called us to do. Field positions, outreach. Outreach ministry, prayer ministry, women's ministry, discipleship ministry. We got to fill these positions, and I'm working on all that I assure you. Here's the one. Who's your one? An ongoing challenge for every member. Everybody say every. every. For every member to pray, to pray for, engage, and invite people weekly. Look up at me. I don't want you coming here by yourself no more. I mean that, and I'm going to do, I'm, I'm gonna do what I'm challenging you to do, but I already do it, but I'm going to challenge you to do what I've been doing. Yeah. And that's every time I talk to somebody, yeah, hey, man, what's, how you doing? Yeah, man, you, you, got, you got a church? And you know what people say? Uh, uh, what? And I ask them, do you have a church? Uh, 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 no. I mean, consider coming to hang out with us. Non-threatening. I didn't beat them with the Bible. I just engaged them. You'd be surprised. Some of the folk... They know you go to church, and they see you come back on Monday fired up. 
And they just want to know, what is your experience? And all you got to do is say, hey, what's your name? Gloria, Gloria won't you come? I mean, <laughs> won't you come and consider worshiping with me? Sunday's at 10 o'clock. Listen, my pastor don't preach long. You'll be in your car by 1130. Just let him have it like that. Somebody say, who is your one? Mm, that was weak. Somebody say, who is your one? Next, stewardship ministry. Provide resources for members to improve personal finances while leading our church into debt reduction, savings, and strategic planning for our worship facility. Some of you may be relatively new. Y'all, this is phase one. This is a gym. It is our vision and hope and prayer, and it will come to pass that we will build an actual worship facility on the remaining two and a half acres that we have. But we got to be in a position to do that. Now, we have a great relationship with our bank. Our bank love, our bank will probably loan us the money now. But we can't afford no high note right now because we ain't giving the love we need to be given. So you mean to tell me we could probably have a church? No, we probably could. But we not. I'm not going through what I went through in 2019. It was crazy. So we want to help you with your finances. You, you don't, you, listen, you don't have to receive the help, but we're going to keep giving it. You can say, that ain't for me. I, I got my stuff in order. You ain't even got no budget. I'm doing fine all by myself. Bill Collector call you hourly. You can't park your car at home. You know what I'm talking about. But you don't want to receive our financial coaching. We want to take you to different places. Some of us, some of us, and I'm I've been there. Some of us have been renting all of our lives, and the thought of owning a home is just beyond. We can't even embrace what that even looks like. Allow us to show you what that could look like and what that could mean for you when it comes tax time. You think some kids give you some stuff. Well, get a house. Let me show you what that do for you. Oh, y'all better listen to your boy. Systems. Somebody say systems. For every problem that we discover... Develop a clear, simple system to address it. And this is something that, that we have to do at GBBC. Now, we're not going to make this hard. It's going to be simple, but we need, we need systems that are in place. We, we're working through some right now. One of the systems that we're working through now deals with our deacons and our trustees. I'm giving it to them early. I'm sorry. I'm giving it to them early. But we're going to put our deacons on a rotation. This is a system, primary, secondary. So when stuff pops off, and it will there'll be people in place to help address and support those situations. Now, that does not mean the pastor's not going to visit you. That's not what that means. But that may mean he'll have a few more minutes to do something that he's currently doing, and somebody can be there quicker than he can. Amen. See, I, I, I kind of feel how you be thinking when I say stuff. Oh, that means he ain't going to. That that's not what that means. And when you communicate, with the established system that we put into place, you'll see that it works. And that's just one example. Revival. Ooh, somebody say revival. As we regain our clarity in 2020, through weekly Bible engagement, prayer calls, Sunday worship, we will plan seasonal revivals throughout the year. Seasonal revivals. Hey, man, I got a hand right there. Y'all ain't nothing like a revival. The black church knows revivals. Revivals. Where, where, watch this, you gather together simply to renew your faith, to be reminded of the goodness of God, to celebrate the small victories that he provides for every single one of us. So this is it, y'all. This is where we're shooting for. Um, We'll follow with this probably on the second Sunday just to kind of make sure some things are clear. And we're going to begin rolling a lot of this out. I want to pray over this and for this. And I want you to join me in praying as well. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for vision. Your word has declared where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people do what they feel big and bad enough to do. So, Father, we're asking in faith that you'd help us to see what we need to see. Give us clarity, Lord God. 
as we press forward into this 2020 year. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. amen. Keep praying over this. Keep lifting it up before the Lord. Amen. Give God some praise right there. Amen. Amen. Now, y'all give me a few minutes. Let me deal with this text. This is a good text. Acts chapter 3. You can remain seated. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing, 1 through 10, and I want you to follow along with me. Those that have found it, say, I've got it. And don't forget, the notes are also on the Version Bible app. Beginning at verse 1, Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. He was placed each day at the gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. He was placed there. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting to get something from them. Verse 4 again, Peter along with John looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate at the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. I want to put a tag on this text, and for the next 15 minutes, I want to talk from the subject, raise your gaze. Uh, somebody say, raise your gaze. The big idea from this sermon is simple. We must lift our heads to see all that's possible. We must lift our heads to see all that's possible. If we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us are like this gentleman at the gate, at the temple gate called beautiful. Because of our condition, our situation, our life circumstances, we literally walk around with a bowed down head. Maybe not literally, but emotionally. We have bowed down heads. And, and as a consequence, we no longer believe that God can do for us what he promised he would do. Now, I'm not trying to get you to receive anything that God has not promised. He ain't promised you health nor wealth. He has never said that you're not going to have problems. But there are some promises for God that you can claim. Watch this. That everything that happens in your life, whether good or bad, will work together for your good. So that loss of a job can work out for your good. That loss of a relationship can work out for your good. Uh, uh, you getting sick can work out for your good. That's a promise you can claim. And so every one of us have to be honest and evaluate, saying, Lord, is my head bowed down? So we have this gentleman that's being brought to the gate called Beautiful. And what I love about this, the text says he's carried there. Somebody say carried there. See, as I examined this text again, I discovered there are kind of uh, like, like three different people groups in this text. You got the people who carried the lame man to the gate. Somebody say carried. You got the man himself who was lame and was being carried, say lame. And then you had the church folk, Peter and John, that were walking into the temple for prayer. Say church folk. Yo, you got three different groups that are represented in this text. And I simply ask the question, which one are you? Which one are you? Are, are you the one that is being carried because you can't handle it right now? And so you got some people in your life that love you so much. They say, listen, I can't give you what you need, but I can get you to the place of need. 
And I don't know about you, but I've been carried before. Y'all looking at me like that? I've been carried many a time. There were some times I couldn't do it by myself, but thanks be to God, somebody came into my life, picked me up, and got me to where God wanted me to be. See, some of y'all got a little snooty when I said being carried. Your pride got too big for you. Anybody here ever been carried? Anybody in here ever been helped? Anybody in here, you've been given a hand? But maybe you're the one that's doing the carrying. You're a helper. You're a supporter. You're, 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 you have the ministry helps of service and support and encouragement. Praise be to God. But what happens to those of us who do the caring is this. We get tired. And I'm looking at some faces of some folk in here. I know you've been carrying some folk. You've been carrying your whole family for decades. Everything has been resting upon you. You the one that had the job. You the one that had the car. You the one that had the stable residence. So when their situation got bad, they came to stay with you. When they lost their car, they drove your car. I ain't got no witnesses up in here. But folks who carry all the time get tired. Then they got these church folk. These church folk going, huh, going to the temple for prayer, three in the afternoon. See, what I love about Peter and John is Peter and John paid attention. See, that's the kind of church folk you want to be. You don't want to be the kind of church folk that don't pay attention. You so committed to getting your seat. That you walk by and miss everything. But Peter and John paid attention. Somebody say paid attention. So, so watch this. Uh, this young man, he was dealing with uh, essentially a lack of hope. And as a consequence, he really didn't know what he needed. He just knew that if I can get to this temple, I can get something to help me. Feed myself, take care of myself, and all that goes along with that. And so like many of us, we need to raise our expectations to believe that God himself can heal, guide, restore, and deliver. As I back up from the text, it leads us back to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. And in those passages, it speaks of the power of God upon the early church and how they were devoted uh, to doing certain things for the glory of God. And what I love about, it says, many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles, verse 43. And what we have in chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, is a specific example of said miracle. So as a consequence, we see this church functioning at a high level of purpose and power. They had a hunger for the word of God. They had a hunger for prayer. They had a hunger for fellowship. And as a consequence, get ready to write, the early church grows. Get that down. The early church grows. And the early church grows at, at, at miraculous levels because the text says every day they were added to the church. So actually opens up and we learn about this specific miracle and wonder that has been performed on this lame beggar. Look at verse 1. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, if you read your text too fast, you'll miss something significant. In, in chapter 2, verses 41 or 42 through 47, it says, actually in verse 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Somebody say every day. But then the text also says that in verse 2 that the man was carried to the gate called beautiful. How frequently? Come on, help me preach this, y'all. Every day. So watch this. We have Peter and John that go to the temple every day, and we have this man that is lame that is being laid at the temple gate every day. Get ready to write, y'all. This is what I call an inevitable encounter. It is an inevitable encounter. And by inevitable, I don't mean just by chance, but I mean by the sovereignty and providence of God. 
The Lord God himself caused this man to be placed in the path of Peter and John. It was an inevitable encounter. They were bound to meet based upon the providence of God. Somebody say inevitable. So here is your imperative for this. Because you're trying to work through whatever it is that life has handled you. You're trying to press through. If you're honest with yourself, your gaze has been lowered. Here is the thing, y'all. I want y'all to keep showing up. Get that down. Get that down. Get that down. Keep. Keep showing up. Keep. Keep showing up. The lame man, unfortunately, he had nothing to do with it, but, but his friends, those, those, those supporters, those ministering to him, they ensured that every day they would bring him to the gate. Somebody say, keep showing up. Every day they picked him up and helped him to get to this place, and everyone in the community knew him. Why? Because you got to keep showing up. Not like Peter and John. Peter and John, the text says every day they devoted themselves to the, 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 the teaching of the word, to prayer and to fellowship, and they did that in the temple. Listen, every day they showed up. Y'all, you got to keep showing up to church. Oh, I need a witness right there. You got to keep showing up. When you get tired, show up. When life, when life hurts you, you got to show up. As a matter of fact, when life hurts you, that's when you showing up need to show up. Because if you don't show up here, you're going to get a word from somebody else that's not ordained by God. This inevitable encounter was made because they kept showing up. Not only do we have an inevitable encounter, secondly, we have an improved expectation. We have an improved expectation. Let me, let me, let me make this plain, y'all. Sometimes in my life, I have been so immature that I didn't know what to ask for. There were some situations where I started making a little bit of money. A little bit of money. And I was spending like crazy. And so what I thought, I needed more money. Y'all ain't helping me. And then Brother Clifton Franklin says, Steve, you don't need more. You need to start spending less. So what I was asking for was not what I really needed. What I needed to ask was, Lord, help me to be a better steward with what you've already given me. And what I want you to understand, y'all, right now you're probably asking God and believing God and trusting God for a whole lot of stuff. And I simply want you to evaluate what it is you need and what it is you're asking for. Oh, I hope I'm making this, pain, this point plain as day. So, see, the brother in the text, he was asking for money, get that down, but they offered more. He wanted money. He thought money was going to solve his problems. But let me tell you something. If they would have given him a million dollars, he would still be lame. Oh, I'm preaching this to myself. If they had given him everything that the church treasury had, he would still be lame. He had improved his expectation. Look at your text. Peter said, listen, man, look at us. You're asking and you're not even really paying attention. Because the text says he saw Peter and John and he began to ask, but by the time he asked, he had diverted his attention somewhere else. So Peter and John had to regain and regather his focus to, to re-get his attention. Church, we got to get refocused. Peter and John said, man, look at us. So then he turned and expecting to get something from him. I preached this back in 2011. I called it raising your expectations. What are you expecting God to do in your life? And I'm here to let you know that every single one of us have to raise it to the We have to improve what we expect from God. Y'all, we ask for stuff that, that we can do. I ask God for stuff that only he can do. But I, like this. I, I like this last thing I put here. Uh, uh, not only must we keep showing up, y'all, we got to keep speaking up. Got to keep speaking up. 
this lame man is at the gate, and, and everybody that passed by, he's saying something too. And he never stops asking. He never stops pleading. He never stops begging. He never stops speaking. And that's a demonstration of faith that some of us need to garner. Right now, you stop asking God for whatever it is that you know you need. You know why? Because God had not answered in your time. And let me tell you something. God knows something about us. He doesn't give us some stuff that we ask for because if he did, uh, we lose our minds. We wouldn't be ready for it. We wouldn't appreciate it. We wouldn't value it. His timing is perfect. But you got to keep speaking. You got to be like that persistent widow. That even when things don't go as you first, you find another way to ask. And you heed the voice of the Lord. An inevitable encounter, keep showing up. An improved expectation, keep speaking up. He wanted money, but money, but they wanted to give him more. And the last thing we see, and I'm finished, an impossible experience. It's impossible what we read in this text, y'all. Look, look, look at verse look at verse 7. You know, let's start at verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand and raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. Here's how we got to respond to our healing. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate at the temple. So, once again, from verse 46, they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened. An impossible experience. Peter speaks healing, and then he extends his hand to activate the faith of the healing. It is impossible what we're reading in this text, but with God. Oh, somebody say, with God. With God, all things are possible. Here it is. The lame man is strengthened, and he stands. The lame man is strengthened, and he stands. Here, here's what... I like about this brother, he's, he's not like us. If I had been lame and I got my healing, I may not have gone to church first. I probably would have went home and showed everybody, look, look what I'm doing, y'all, look at this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm back, I'm, I'm the man. And y'all, when we do that, we keep glory for ourselves. See, when the Lord blesses you, and he will, when the Lord shows up, and he will, when he provides what you need, even when you're not clear about what you need, and he will, your response to that is an indication of your real appreciation for what God has done in your life. The brother is healed. He, he, is, he is given the word, and he, he extends his hand, and he, he gets the strength to be healed, and he goes straight into the temple praising God. And don't you know he made a spectacle about it? He didn't shout like we shout. We got that little cute shout. I, I envisioned this man running around, dancing, leaping, praising God, just causing a ruckus in worship. Why? Because he had been healed. Last thing on that is keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing. I don't know what it is that you need from God. I don't know what it is that right now has you so lame, so defeated. Your, your head is just down. You don't even look up. You, 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 I mean, physically, you may give eye contact, but in your heart, you are far from giving eye contact. You're, you're burdened. You're bogged down. No joy. And you're begging for money. When God wants to give you healing. So, Pastor, raise, raise, raise your gaze. What, what, what do you mean? I want to reiterate this as I close. Peter told the man, look at us. Look at us. 
focus in on this moment right now. Because we're looking at you, says Peter and John. And through the power of the Lord, I want you to know the Lord is looking at you now. And he wants you to respond, oh God, with the heart that's turned toward him. You got to believe that the Lord can handle whatever the situation that you're currently facing. Now, I've done a lot of talking today, but right now I want to do a lot of praying. Look at what we've done just this morning. We've talked about Clarity 2020. We've talked about all that we can do as a ministry to, to ensure that we're kingdom focused in all that we do. But y'all, it begins with every single one of us. Right now. If you say, Pastor Brown, I, I'm like this lame man. I need, some, I need some healing. I want you to stand with me. I want to pray for you. Just stand right where you are. Pastor, I'm, I'm like the brother in the text. I'm asking for the wrong stuff. I thought I knew what I wanted, but to be honest, I don't even know what I want anymore. Because I've been asking for any and everything. I'm trying to get any and anybody to listen to me because I don't have a clue. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, even as you stand. Some of you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not quite like the lame man, but I'm more like the people that brought the lame man. And Lord, Lord I, I mean, Pastor, I've been helping and pouring out, and I'm just kind of burned out. I've been serving and supporting others, providing. I've, I've, been, I've been the backbone for my whole family, and they rarely show appreciation or gratitude because they know I'm going to do it. And Pastor, I'm, I'm just a little tired. I need a physical revival. As a matter of fact, you said, Pastor, when you told me you were tired this summer, I get it because I've been there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we stand in your presence, Lord God. Father, we see ourselves through every verse in this passage. And Father, we understand that you desire more for us. Lord, we can't always see it. And Father, unfortunately, many of us fight against what it is you're trying to do in our very lives. Father, we're holding on to weights and baggages and things that are bogging us down. Father, we don't know how to forgive. We don't know how to be restored. We don't, we don't know how to release the past. And Father, although we're walking physically, we are as crippled as the lame man at the gate. There is just dysfunction all around us. And Father, we want to be whole. So Lord, we're standing right now. And we're asking for your healing in the name of Jesus. Father, reveal to us by your Holy Spirit what it is we need. Lord, some of us don't even know specifically what to ask for. But your word has affirmed in Romans chapter 8 that your spirit will interpret the groanings of our heart. And Lord, we understand that to mean that the pain that we have, your spirit can tell you what it is that's wrong. So Father, we're asking that your spirit would move and rule and guide and govern and transform and penetrate and provide us with a sense of peace and comfort that we have not known for years. Even now, Lord, even now. As the lame man was carried to the gate called Beautiful Father, we've limped into here on this morning. And, Lord, we're asking in faith for a healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ain't asking you for money or a new car or some clothes. or something. Lord, we want healing. We want our hearts to be restored. We want relationships to be reconciled, Father. We want deliverance from substances to be, to be experienced, Father. We want marriages to be restored. We want children to be restored to their parents. We want siblings to start back talking again. 
Lord, we're not asking you for what we can do. We're asking you for what only you can do. And so now, Lord, we ask that you would release your favor again in 2020 upon GBBC. Father, we are learning and growing. We're, we're making some mistakes. We're, we're experiencing some victories. But, oh, God, we can always get better. And so, Father, I'm praying for every person under the sound of my voice, even those who didn't come to church today. And, Father, I'm asking that each and every one of us would take ownership of the ministry of Greater Bethlehem Baptist Church. Father God, help us to realize that, that we are the members. We are the ones responsible for the success of the church. Of course, you give it, but we got to do something with it. So, Father, I'm praying that each of us would be a church champion. That we be proud of the ministry that you have afforded us. That we would do our part to serve on a regular basis. And that each of us would begin to grow and to know our ultimate purposes for which we've been created. Whew, Lord, that's a lot. And we lay it at your feet. We trust you. And Father, we're not going to stop asking. We're going to keep speaking, keep believing, keep asking. Because we trust you. And we want to be found faithful. We love you. We honor you. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let everybody say amen.